how much impact can I have? Not because I want to have impact, but because these issues that I deal with and deal with in people's lives really matter in a big way. There's a really strong link with the questions that I have already around women in leadership. And I am absolutely fascinated to see if I can get to the bottom of and to make a change in this world of traditional leadership. Welcome to season two of Moving Beyond Trauma podcast where we give permission for you to bravely demystify trauma in and around you, instead bringing to life the incredible nervous system in action and how we can move beyond surviving to thriving and even flourishing. I'm Kate Brassington, coaching psychologist, trauma-informed coach, your guide and companion on this journey together. Hello, welcome back to Moving Beyond Trauma Season 2. Thank you so much to all my loyal listeners, literally all around the world, um, for just so much fun in Season 1. And it's just really great to be back. So I thought I would share with you today, just introducing the season. There's some really cool people coming up that I've have said they would be interviewed, have already done their interviews. Um, stuff's already getting edited by the brilliant Rob. And some themes are already emerging from that. So I'm just going to I'm going to share that with you. I'm going to give you a little view insight, like behind the scenes, what's been going on behind the scenes for me and for Zest, uh, the company that that's my company name. If you didn't know, you probably if you just know me in podcast land, you just know me as moving beyond trauma. And then some really fun stuff to do, because this for me is back to school and it's my New Year energy. Um, I don't uh, hold with the whole January New Year, New Me thing. The New Year, New Me thing is now, which is just lovely. And it feels really lovely to be doing season two starting at this point. So already I have enough material for this podcast season to go out beyond well into February next year, which is amazing because I thought oh, I'll do, you know, September to December, that'll be plenty. <laughs> and I have just so many wonderful people really interested in coming on to talk about their work, to talk about their views, to talk about what, like really grasping this idea that moving beyond trauma is such an important part of moving beyond the stigma around mental health and mental illness and mental well-being and what it takes to be mentally well and at the top of your game. Um, but also um, like really applied, really live, the emerging themes, one is the type of person who's coming on are all so far women, which is not intentional by me. And the more I was looking at the, the themes, I was really like, well, how come this is, they're so, they're all women. Um, cause that really wasn't the case in season one. It was extremely balanced between men and women. And what I can see, even looking at the list right now, is this balance between women who've got or made it to, if you like, to big jobs, big heavyweight leadership jobs, um, both in the military and outside of it. Um, and in different industry sectors as well. You probably know that my coaching work really, I've never focused on a particular industry much. I just, work with the human that's in front of me. And trauma and stress um, don't differentiate. So neither do I. And that, so that's very much reflects the nature of my clients and, and the kind of work that I've been doing up to now. Um, then I also noticed another theme, 
um, which is that these are people who are talking powerfully about pressure that leaders and decision makers are under and how they can help. And so we starting the season with Dr. Sarah Brooks, who has been researching for the last 10 years into voice and silence. Like what a cool topic, how some people in the organization have voice and others don't, and when people use their voice and when they use silence. And I was mega intrigued about how trauma features in that. And she was um, dead surprised at how much it's not been featured in the in the research much at all. Um, organizational psychologists apparently don't really look much at trauma and polyvagal theory, which of course, as you know, if you've been listening to me for a while, I do. Um, so that's a, that's a, like, we were such a high after doing that. Um, um, I've got Alfreda Manham Vaughan, whose um, research was in attachment theory, adult attachment theory and trauma in early childhood. And she's a coach. So again, like me, she's not coming to pathologize you, but oh my goodness, she has some really interesting stuff. But um, I learned attachment theory years ago um, when I first trained as a couple counsellor. Um, and the, it's really come on. It, it's, it's just so lovely. Um, so there's really, I was very informed myself by that. Um, I've got people who are um, going to be talking from the angles of neurodivergence, um, from spirituality, um, from high level executive coaching, um, authors, just looking down the list now, I don't want to do a roll call because that's a bit weird. Um, yes, I'm very excited. I've got senior senior military leader, very senior uh, army officer and I'm just very excited that when she comes to talk to us about the kind of things we've already had our pre-chat she's not available until like for another two and a half months um, but she'll be coming later on so this is super exciting for me and what I've realized is that this isn't just the leadership pressures this is also people talking about results but at what price and so that I think is going to be very powerful. Like what is the balance between mental health and well-being and doing a great job and doing a job that matters to you and doing something that pays the bills and the whole like those those issues that really matter to our clients and to our the organizations that pay for our work. Um, and then an emerging theme, which is also emerging, and I'll share it with you in the behind the scenes for me stuff as well in a sec, is what are the differences for women? Because like, even as I started this, I'm like, oh, isn't it interesting that there's women, so many women, in fact, all women in this season so far. And I think there is something in that, like, um, I would love to be, um, because I'm Gen X and I was one of the first women to go and do the same commissioning course at Sandhurst as the men. And, you know, the, like I've spent a lot of my, like my own actual lived experience is breaking ground into what used to be male territory, being as good as the men at what they do and making, holding the door open for women coming behind. What we were never really given space for, and this is my experience and many people that I've discussed it with will share, but I can speak with my own voice here, is that it wasn't my femininity, my what, what's different about me as a woman was not welcome. What got me kudos, what worked in a, in a career success kind of way was being like a man, doing this, that world in a way that worked for men. And that makes a lot of sense. If you think all the research, all the training, all the British army, uh, that is just talking about British army, um, like that, you, that all is founded in predominantly male 
So the women in a kind of science way, the women in there, um, even if the stats, even if there is a research study, even if there is stats, women are not really featuring in the, in that kind of way. Um, they're almost cleaned out of the data and then it's the whatever the findings are, are retrofitted. So I've been super curious <laughs> about how this is this reflected across the whole world of leadership training and education? Um, and so I'll come on, I'll come back to that in a minute. And what the emerging theme is really, what is the difference in the voice of a woman in leadership? And how can we better support her to lead and others to be led by her? And if that leadership style is so different, what can we, what can we do to make it work for all? Because there comes your diversity and inclusion piece, which is we have women, the thing the workplaces are becoming more diverse. So how do we include all of the strengths rather than just retrofitting everybody to fit what worked before? I'm calling it diversity, and it's a shame to say it, but that happens a lot still. So that's what's coming up. And uh, as as before, I think the season will unfold as I go on. So it's just really fun to explore and like as it unfolds and as I see what's coming up um, to just really help bring to life the issues that really matter around moving beyond trauma. OK, so what's been going on behind the scenes? <laughs> well, that's the real fun thing about hosting my own podcast. And this is you, me talking to you, but I don't know you but you feel like you know me. <laughs> I was just laughing with someone today going, um, when you when you listen to someone's podcast a lot, it, their voice, their intonation, their everything is very familiar. This is a very intimate space that, that someone's speaking directly into my ear. Um, and there's no background noise where they are because they're recording their podcast and there's no background noise for me because I've plugged them into my ears. And so I pick up, I am quite highly sensitive like this. I pick up a lot of the nuances of the energy of their voice and begin to really feel like I know them. Uh, so then if I ever get, like I was yesterday, on a live call with someone who I've listened to a ton of their podcasts, I really had this mega fangirl moment of, oh, she's she's real. She's just like, she looks on them. You know, she's just, now wait a minute. She's just what she sounds like on the podcast. Just the same as if you ever meet an actor in real life who you've seen tons on the telly or the cinema and you're like, oh, there, that's them. And then, or like, uh, I've watched a funny thing where Daddy Pig's in the, the guy who does the Daddy Pig voice is in, is in a Graham Norton show. I was watching the replay of that. And then um, Graham Norton goes, oh, I was, hello. And the guy speaks and he's in Daddy Pig's voice. And then Graham Norton just laughs and he goes, I was going to ask you to do the voice, but uh, it is your voice. <laughs> and he's like, yes. Anyway, I digress. Um, so behind the scenes um, in my life this summer has been really interesting. Definitely, like many, many people have found 2023 coming off the back of 2022 to be quite a tough time in business and finding that um, people are less able to put their money towards personal development because other issues demand their money, which makes absolute sense. And I would never, ever suggest that anybody goes into debt um, so they can get a bit of coaching. Absolutely not. So that really was interesting to me and also interesting to me 
reflecting on um having done the podcast and everything it's like how how much impact can I have not because I want to have impact but because these issues that I deal with and deal with in people's lives really matter in a big way so I began to explore doing a PhD which some of you might have heard me talk about and um that idea is gaining ground <laughs> and uh, uh there will be more to come in that space um, but there's a really strong link with the questions that I have already around women in leadership and I am absolutely fascinated to see if I can get to the bottom of and to make a change in this world of traditional leadership theory and how much difference has been paid to the differences for women and for curating leadership theory that really supports women and then the flip side of that which is and how can you make that good for all um because there's no good having it just great for women and then expecting everyone to retrofit into that because we'll just get the total binary of what we've got at the minute which is predominantly male-based leadership theory and it's been retrofitted to women and um, with a bit more emotion stuff thrown in that's usually what you get and uh and then away we go so um if you're listening to this and you have done some research or you know of research i am really i'm hungry for papers at the minute i'm hungry for people who think like this and really curious also worldwide so i'm connecting with the researchers who are doing work in the middle east and in malaysia and in Australia and in Canada, because this is also just cannot be um, UK or EU. This is a really major. So this PhD, um, that what frightens the pants off me as well, because um, while I was talking to me, to the person who's most likely going to be my supervisor, and, um, and she's just saying, scale, scale up. So that's going to be big. So that was going on and then that's shifted to my if you follow me on LinkedIn or online you would perhaps have noticed a bit of a shift of how I speak about my work um, really focusing on supporting executives um, by which I mean people in leadership positions who are under the pressures to perform um it's not because I haven't had executives before but there's a difference when I step into that space and hold myself accountable for being someone who can really coach executives and given the experience and training and knowledge that I've got now over these past six years, really feeling that um, I kind of already was doing this anyway, but not calling myself the label, the name executive coach. That doesn't mean to say that if you don't identify yourself as an executive or a leader that you can't come work with me. Of course you can. I think that leadership is much broader um, than just somebody in a heavyweight role. I think that we're all leaders in our lives, um, massively leaders within our families and our communities and so much going wrong in the world at the minute. You know, leadership, many really outside the workplace is needed more and more. So please don't be, um, don't feel that I'm not talking to you if leadership is that, that word that you don't like. Um, and really moving beyond what might have been toxic for you around that word and in your experience in your life and um, really move beyond that, like also bringing that into the moving beyond trauma, like how can we move beyond what was toxic before about leadership and make it great for everyone? We definitely, what really matters to me is that I don't um, become part of a problem. So leadership coaching is often, or executive coaching is often used to further drive people on to produce more results with well-being as a as a bit of an I wouldn't say afterthought because I know some really awesome executive coaches who really um, pay great attention to well-being. Um, but I think we've really got to use the humans 
<laughs> um, humans just are not a resource to be expended. We're all going to be working um, many more years than our previous generations have. Even people in my, I'm a Gen X and we're going to be working till our late 60s. And that just was not what my parents, you know, my parents' generation and certainly the one before them ever knew of I don't like manual work yes and even my dad's 81 he's still working um he's a manual worker so you you know I'm talking about people holding those big jobs pulling in the money um making change like we are all we, there's going to be a greater and greater demand given the demographics of the population that more of us work until we are into our late 60s and early 70s as the norm and the world that our children are moving into and my kids are moving into is absolutely going to be that. So this brings a different energy to how we take care of our leaders. So a big part of leadership and executive coaching for me is a sustainability piece. It's how do we help this to be sustainable for the person and for the organization? Um, so that was a massive part of like tons of reading, research, interested, rabbit warrens online, all the rest of it. Um, and then pivoting the business towards that. Um, and then kids and family stuff was just very, very big um, in our life this summer. We've got some people um, very, very dear to us who are not well. And um, that's been we've been guiding the children through that mortality and befriending mortality is a lovely expression and something that is very meaningful to me, having supported my mum towards and um, through her end of life um, over six years ago now. And I bring that we're trying, we are trying to bring that to the children um and also to many people in our lives like grief and loss and anticipated grief and loss is quite vibrant around me at the minute um and given that I talk about moving beyond trauma that also means living with it <laughs> not working on it but living with it and acknowledging that it's in the space and giving it the energy because it's the it's the color of life isn't it it's amazing the, the highs and the lows, the sads and the happies, that's all part of life. So that's very much been a theme through my summer. And in support of that, so everybody does well-being in their own way and self-care in their own way. And if you've listened to some of the episodes of the um, in season one, like I talk, I laugh about how, you know, lots of BS is talked about this. People don't really know how to take care of themselves and they don't really know how to do well-being. Um, we know a lot of like we know a lot of stuff about it, but actually doing it and doing it effectively is tricky. And um, so for me, <laughs> this looked like, OK, that's a fun. I read a lot of, as you might imagine, heavyweight stuff. Um, so this summer, I gave permission to myself to read Kindle Unlimited, anything that caught my fancy, um, because on my Kindle Unlimited subscription thing, it um, doesn't cost anything, um, and ended up in this most wonderful world of reading books about witchcraft and the history of witches and the history of nature and healing and the and philosophy around that through the eyes of women through the centuries. Um, and the concept of a green witch, which I totally connect with, but I'm not a brilliant green witch because I don't, I mean, my garden's going wild and has good massive pumpkins in it, by the way. Very exciting. And then this concept of kitchen witch, which I absolutely am. And the kitchen is the heart of our home. And it was the heart of the home when I was growing up. And it's the place where I hang out when I go to a party. It's the place where I like we don't even have a separate dining room as many people don't now we just like our, our kitchen table is the table 
um, for a whole pile of shite on one end of it and the eating and drinking and fun and talking and connection and board games and all of the rest of it happens on and that central hub of the home. Much more than the television, the television is a place to go switch off in, in my house, in our house, the kitchen table, the kitchen is the place where we come to connect and switch on. And so it was just really delicious to read all these bunkers free books about the just the beauty, the femininity, the connections that come through being a kitchen witch. So <laughs> um, whether that will show up in my executive coaching as a professional executive coach, I don't know. We'll see. But it's certainly something that really uh, fed my self-care and is feeding, still got lovely little rituals and things that I can just really enjoy um, that I'm still doing from that. So it feels like it's stuck. It's like not a change. Yeah, I do think try things out and see if they work. Don't be beating yourself up if you're like, oh, it's three weeks into my journaling habit and I can't find my journal. Well, maybe it's not <laughs> Maybe it's not the habit for you, um, but also permission to try stuff out and let it go if it doesn't work. So anyway, so that's really fun as well. Um, so I'm going to now bring you really fun little new year exercise um if you're if this is also a type of new year energy if you if you celebrate new year in january and do all your resolutions and stuff then then this could be a mid-year review for you the fun one that i love to do is to to grab your journal and write down the names of each month and just go through each one and you could think about whether there's three good things in each month three funny things three bad sad whatever crappy things happened, doesn't matter. You can pick three things. I just, there's a really good theme around three. The brain works really well around three. So three things and go through the month, uh, through the months in turn, bringing yourself up to the present moment. Draw a line and then think about from now forwards. What are three things that you're going to stop, start and continue? And you're allowed three things on under each. What are you stopping? What are you starting? Or what are you continuing? And these should, I'm pretty sure, are very familiar. It's the simplest structures are the best. Because what you want to end up with is one thing, <laughs> which is really annoying, having just told you to do a ton of journaling exercises and to think about all these many different things. Simple, incipient changes are the ones that stick. The little things that make the difference, because there are no little things. So with all love from my heart, um, have the most wonderful year. Happy, happy new year to those of you celebrating the September, the, the school, the school type year, September onwards. I am so pleased that you're joining me for this new season and I am really excited about where it's going to take us. And if you are interested in working with me or you've not thought about having a coach or wherever you are on the coach journey, please know that I am open for business. I'm here ready to coach. I take private clients and I'll take corporate clients. Um, as I said before, you don't have to be a leader or think that you're some kind of heavyweight um, <laughs> in any way. Bring to me the things that matter to you. Talk to me about them and let's see if coaching with me will fit with you. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. While I'm here, did you know that I work one-to-one -one with people who are ready to make change for the better for themselves or others? And can I make a plea for our leaders who are especially under pressure, not only to balance their own mental health, but leading balanced and thriving teams? 
The fallout of the pandemic and the increasing economic pressures have made this a really great area for mental health worldwide. And the burden is falling on our leaders and managers. If you'd like to ease suffering and get the fun back, rebuilding resilience and lasting mental health in yourself or your team, remember that healthy financial results and great business performance can only come from high-performing people who are in top condition to thrive. Let me help you help your people now. Get in touch and let's start the conversation.